Welcome once again to Blackhawk Church. Welcome to those live here in the room, those who can hear my voice through a podcast or if you're watching on a screen across the atrium at Gospel Fusion and Traditions or across town uh, at downtown in Fitchburg or online. My name is Ben, and I'm one of the pastors on staff with our middle school and high school ministry staff teams And the end of August is an exciting time around here because so many of us are stepping into a new season, some kind of new season, like our kids are starting second and seventh grade, new teachers. And so the teachers are and other school professionals in our community are stepping into a new year as well. Maybe you've recently started a new job, like my friend Peter, who just joined our staff team, or any of the number of new EPIC employees that join every summer. Happy UGM week, EPIC folks. Um, Or maybe you've just transitioned, you're in a new season and you've moved away from Dane County. You haven't found your community yet in your new place, and so you're connecting with Black Hawk Church online. When I think of uh, big end of August transitions from my own life, huge one that comes to mind is when I moved into the dorm as a freshman at UW-Madison. So if anybody at Blackhawk downtown walked to church from Chadbourne this morning, shout out, that was my dorm. I lived on the 10th floor. There was no Blackhawk downtown at that time. We had to take the bus to get to church. Oh my goodness, there you go. Also, I went looking for pictures from that time. I couldn't find a single photo of me in the dorms because nobody had a camera in their pocket everywhere they went 22 years ago. I'm so middle-aged. It's wonderful. So anyway... Doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, though, uh, that I don't have any pictures because I can still see those moments, those people, those places as if it were yesterday. There's nothing like a big transition, stepping into a new season, that excited yet terrified feeling to create a, a strong memory. Gosh, man, I, <laughs> I didn't know anybody. Classes hadn't started yet. I didn't know what to do with myself. And those turned out to be some very rich years of my life. So for anybody who's in a new season these days, we are praying for you that God would help you find your people in this new stage of life and and show you who he's created you to be in this environment. I've been thinking a lot about college freshman me, 18-year-old me, in our current sermon series because uh, we are in a series called Psalms for the Summer. And uh, when I was 18, I wasn't just new to Madison. I was new to life with Jesus. It was the first time I ever got involved in a group of people who were reading the Bible together. My first time really reading the Bible on my own. And at the beginning of this sermon series, Charles invited us that we could be people who pray through the Psalms, that it is a collection of prayers that we can pray through from start to finish, all the way through. 
And I've been thinking about 18-year-old me because that would have been a journey of ups and downs for me. There are psalms that absolutely would have resonated with me. And then there are psalms that would have left me feeling uncomfortable. And today we're going to step into a psalm together that would have left me feeling uncomfortable. If 18-year-old me had tried reading the Psalms from the beginning, I would have come to Psalm 14 and I would have read the first line and it would have stood out to me. Here's the first line of Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That line would have stood out to 18-year-old me. I would have read that line and I would have thought, oh, Okay, I think, I kind of think I know what this is saying. I think it's saying this. I think it's saying that. <laughs> Honestly, that's what 18-year-old me would have heard when I read that line. And then I would have thought, oh, I guess if I'm a new follower of Jesus, I'm supposed to agree with this. And that would have made me uncomfortable. Because I've had many friends throughout my life who have concluded that God doesn't exist. And these are smart friends, but more than that, they're loyal friends, kind friends. Does following Jesus mean I'm supposed to, supposed to think that? So... Reading through the Psalms, 18-year-old me would have come to Psalm 14, would have read this line, would have thought, oh, it's saying this. I'm supposed to agree with it. I would have felt uncomfortable. And I would not have been looking for any sort of insight from the Psalm that I was about to read that could have helped me grow in my relationship with Jesus, that could help all of us grow spiritually. And as we dig into this passage together today, we're going to discover that it is not saying what I would have heard. That's not what the psalm is talking about. And it does have a sharp insight for us that can help us consider a dimension of what it means to grow in our relationship with God, to grow spiritually. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, come with me to Psalm 14. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. So the text is going to be on the screens. Uh, as we dive into the Psalms, when you see the word LORD in all capital letters, that is the uh, translation committee's way of rendering God's personal name in the Old Testament, Yahweh. So as I read, I'll say Yahweh. And as we're reading together, you have a job. Everybody has a job, okay? You're listening for something specific. You're listening for descriptions of the fool. Pay attention for adjectives and actions that describe the fool. Okay, you got that? That's, that's your job as we read it. Here we go. Psalm 14. For the director of music of David, the fool says in his heart, there's no God. They're corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. 
Yahweh looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There's, there's no one who does good. Not even one. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on Yahweh. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but Yahweh is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When Yahweh restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Okay, how'd you do with your job? Were you paying attention for descriptions of the fool from throughout the psalm? Let's go back to the top and see what we find. Okay, so the fool, what did the fool, the fool does something. It says in their heart that there's no God. Okay, they are corrupt. They've got some vile deeds going on over here and they don't do good. Okay, that's the first descriptions of the fool. You caught all of those. You were paying such close attention. All right, let's keep going. Next verses. Here we go. They have turned away. There's corrupt again and not doing good. Oh, they're called evildoers. Uh, they devour my people as though eating bread. Ooh, that's a sentence. And they never call on Yahweh. Okay, there's something, interesting, something else interesting happening here. We have, it's talking about all, all. There's no one who's the opposite, not even one. So, so that's interesting because on, on the one hand, the, the evildoer is a kind of person who devours my people as though eating bread. That sounds like a specific type of person. But on, on the other hand, the psalm is talking about all people in, in some way. It's almost as if it's working on two levels at once, like there's a specific type of person, and then it's also talking about all people. Oh, that's interesting. Poetry can do that, right? Poetry has permission to work on two levels at once. Okay, put a pin in this idea that the text is talking about all people, and then we've got one more verse that describes the fool. Let's see it here. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor. Okay, those are the different phrases, adjectives that describe the fool. Notice what we didn't find. We didn't find anything that said they're just not that smart. <laughs> we didn't find anything that said their intellectual reasoning is flawed or they have failed to comprehend the theodicy presented in the book of Job or philosophical phrases. Whatever the psalm is talking about, it doesn't seem to be talking about an intellectual thing. This doesn't seem to be discussing 
the diverse 21st century group of people who think of themselves as atheists or would identify with that term. This psalm is not trying to clobber that group of people. And that's good news, right? Good, okay. So who is the psalm talking about? There were these two phrases that were particularly colorful. Here they were. They devour my people as though eating bread. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor. In Psalm 14, the fool is a person who exploits others. A person who oppresses others. This is a term about someone who lacks sense in moral and ethical matters when they should be gracious to a good person they squeeze every last drop out of them but when they themselves owe a debt oh they find a loophole okay the hebrew word for fool is this naval repeat after me naval that's right. So the bet in the middle is pronounced like a V. I heard it here in this room. I'm sure you did great at Fitchburg as well. So repeat after me one more time. Naval. The Naval is the kind of person who says this. I'll disadvantage the community in order to gain an advantage for myself. A Naval acts like a pair of scissors. They're willing to cut others down for their own self-interest. Imagine there's like a web in, in front of me. Like, let's just imagine a web of strings, a big, almost like a spider web shape. And each spoke on the web is like a different person in relationship within some type of community. And then the different Strings that connect the spokes are the ways that we are connected in relationship to each other. Our relationships work on multiple different levels. So it could be any network of people who are connected. Let's imagine first that it's a, it's a sports team with all the different athletes and coaches connected. And Naval is the person who doesn't care too much about the goals of the team. They're more concerned about their own personal goals. And so they're willing to sow seeds of mistrust if they might be able to get a leg up. Or perhaps in uh, your workplace, it's the coworker or boss who is regularly highlighting the flaws of others. Or it's, it's the person in, in a family who takes pleasure at holiday gatherings in pushing others' buttons. Or maybe in, in business relationships, it's that person who say, <laughs> I, I, I know that we have a contract, but demand for my services has gone way up. And so I'm going to charge you double. And this isn't a negotiation. And Naval acts like a pair of scissors. 
And scissors are often sharp. And the vol can be cunning, shrewd. So if, if the word fool for us brings to mind the image or an idea of someone who's like dumb, maybe the word fool isn't serving us very well. One commentator on the Hebrew Bible prefers the word scoundrel. And so when a scoundrel says in their heart that there is no God, it's not an intellectual claim. It's the kind of statement that a scissors would make. It's a statement about what that person thinks they can get away with. God is not involved in everyday human affairs, this person is saying. And so I can live a self-centered life. I can get away with things. I can exploit others. And no one will come to their defense. <laughs> when I first read that first line in the psalm, I thought one thing, but perhaps instead we should hear this. Scoundrels justify their actions to themselves. God is not involved in everyday affairs. So I can live a self-centered life and cut others down without consequences. That's very different from what I would have heard when I first stepped into the psalm. And now I can see why the psalm is working on two different levels. Because on the one hand, this is a certain kind of person, the scoundrel that you can recognize from a mile away. But on the other hand, man, that's talking about all of us. <laughs> I know my heart. <laughs> I am perfectly capable of self-centered decisions, of making decisions with my own interests in mind without thinking about the interests of those around me. Left to my own devices, I'm perfectly capable of acting like a scoundrel. And when I do, I am acting with no regard for God's presence in the world. We can all be like this. Oh, Ben, that's such a downer. You're being so hard on yourself. You're being so hard on all of us. Uh, maybe. Let me push back a little bit. <laughs> Let's imagine I'm in a checkout line. It's a long line, all right? Maybe, I, maybe I'm at Target over here, and I'm, I'm buying school supplies. I got my cart, and the cart is just a little bit too full where I'd be embarrassed to be in the self-checkout line. So, and I don't, I don't like getting the side eye from people, you know. I'm a pastor, so you know, get a good reputation in the community and all this stuff. So, so I'm in one of the lines, right? And oh my goodness, it's long. There's some empty checkout lanes over here, but man, a couple carts in front of me is so Full And they are just like starting to put their first things on the back of the conveyor. And there's like two people in front of them who haven't swiped their payment. And then the cart between the two of us is like up to that person's nose. I am never getting home. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see someone walking this way in a red t-shirt. 
target name tag. And my eyes get big. I kind of lean a little bit to the right. I keep my eye on them. I raise my eyebrows a little bit. The person in front of me is scrolling on their phone. They have no idea. And this employee steps into this cash register, and they look up. And of course, whose face do their eyes meet with mine? And they give a little, oh. and bam, I have just won the checkout lane lottery right there. Come on, yes. Now, did I, did I tap the shoulder of the person in front of me to let them know that this line was open? Heck no. They're on their phone, you snooze, you lose. And anyway, they would have had to like turn their cart and back it up. They were pointed this way. My cart was pointed this way. I'm just keeping things moving for everybody here, people. Never mind the fact that the person behind me in line had just a little basket with a couple items. How was I supposed to know that? I didn't look around me to consider the needs of the community. I was just ready to get my school supplies and get out of there. I know how to be uh, Naval, and we all do in our own small ways. So if the psalm is operating on these two levels, what hope does it present for us on this level, the level of our hearts, which are in need of transformation? There are many threads of hope throughout this psalm, uh, and each of them would be worthy of their own sermon. But perhaps the most significant one on the level of how our hearts can be transformed is the way that Psalm 14 points forward to Psalm 15. So it is officially buy one, get one Psalm Sunday at Blackhawk Church. There you go. Oh, I heard a whistle. Somebody likes a good BOGO, a buy one, get one sale. Yeah, who likes a good BOGO sale? Anybody, anybody? Few people. I hate buy one, get one sales. They're the worst. I don't need two pairs of shoes. I came here for one pair of shoes. And now if I only buy one, I'm gonna feel like I'm getting ripped off. Oh, it's the worst. That's okay. Well, anyway, it's buy one, get one Psalms Sunday in Blackhawk Church. I'll, again, I'm very middle-aged. It's okay. I'll get over it. So, so there's this line towards the end of Psalm 14 that points us forward to Psalm 15. It's buy one, get one Sunday at Blackhawk because Psalm 14 is best read together with Psalm 15. It says, God is present in the company of, of the righteous. And this word righteous comes from the Hebrew word tzaddik. Repeat after me. Tzaddik. Good. Yes. Psalm 14 is a psalm about the naval, and it shows us what our hearts are capable of. And Psalm 15 is a psalm about the tzaddik. If a naval is a person who acts like a pair of scissors. The tzaddik is the person who is glue, who works to build and preserve the bonds uh, in community, whatever type of community. This is the person who obeys the commands of God as it relates to our relationships with each other. And the naval is the person who says, 
I'll disadvantage my community in order to gain an advantage for myself. But Sadiq says, I'll disadvantage myself in order to give an advantage to the community. And Psalm 15 is all about this type of person. Let's read. A Psalm of David. Yahweh, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless. Unhelpful translation, better translation. The one who walks with integrity, who does what is righteous, Sadiq. And what does Sadiq look like? The one who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear Yahweh. That's not so much about like a hatred kind of thing, so much as it's honoring those who are worthy of honor. And then having a healthy skepticism of corrupt people, that you're not trying to curry favor with those who are corrupt, even if it could be to your advantage. Because remember, that's, we're not looking out for our own advantage if we're a tzaddik. person who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. Doesn't change their mind as it relates to the oath. Sadiq can be a person who changes their mind in other circumstances, but they, they keep their word. Sadiq lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken is a list of the seven things that the psalm names. Do you see how these things strengthen bonds within a community, within a group of people who are related to each other? Do you know anybody who reminds you of glue? Anybody come to mind for you? <laughs> oh, maybe it's that person in your neighborhood or apartment building or dorm floor, and they help people make connections and, and find each other so that a location of residence becomes a community. Or maybe it's that person in your classroom or your workplace who doesn't jump into gossip and instead is quick to point out and call out the strengths of others, even when they might be in some type of competition with that person for a promotion or a spot in the starting lineup or whatever. <laughs> Sadiq in business relationships might be the person who keeps up their end of the bargain even at cost to their own bottom line. Or the person in your friend group or your family who finds a healthy way to do the good but difficult work of Lending money to a person who's in a tight spot without expecting 
to get anything in return. You know somebody who reminds you of glue? <laughs> you ever wonder how they became like glue? I bet one significant factor is that they probably know that they're capable of being scissors. They know the condition of their own heart. We are scissors, and God invites us to become like glue. This is the dimension of spiritual growth that Psalms 14 and 15 invite us to consider. Let's go back to the very top of Psalm 14. An 18-year-old me, college freshman me, would have come to this line and I would have thought, oh, I should probably read books that, that might help me understand why we can be confident that God is real, that he exists. And, and through the years, I, I've read those books, lots of them. I've had many conversations on that theme. And that's such valuable learning. I'm so grateful for the learning that I've done on that theme in my life. But if I had stopped there, I would have been missing this critical invitation from the Psalms to this dimension of spiritual growth. According to Psalms 14 and 15, God is not primarily interested in identifying people who are supremely confident in his existence. He is interested in identifying people who are willing to become sadiq, the kind of people who build and preserve the connections within their communities, who are willing to obey the commands of God in relationship with others. God's existence doesn't depend on how confident any one of us is in that reality. But the existence of a vibrant community that calls on his name absolutely depends on each one of us becoming persons of tzaddik. God is present in the company of the righteous. This is what the dimension of spiritual growth from the Psalms 14, 15 can look like. We are scissors and God invites us to become glue. Let's say each one of these dots is us. We're people. We're all over the map. And nine times out of ten human beings, we are way more complicated than the school supply aisle at Target. It's not like you can say, oh, these people over here are scissors and these people are glue. Most of the time, that is not the case. And so when we talk about spiritual growth here at Blackhawk, sometimes you'll hear us talk about this being a process of direction, not perfection. It's not a matter of who you are and where you're at in this very moment. It's not a matter of shame in any sense. It's a question of where am I moving? Am I responding to the invitation of God to become a person of tzaddik? And this turning in our hearts, this is the work of Jesus 
in our lives. There's this line at the very end of Psalm 14 that points us to our ultimate source of hope and restoration. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When Yahweh restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Out of Zion, from the very beginning of the book of Psalms, the two intro Psalms to the book, Psalms 1 and 2, the hope has always been in Messiah, God's anointed king who would come out of Zion. And we are the people in history who have met this king. His name is Jesus. And he is the ultimate picture of Sadiq. He who has disadvantaged himself completely in order to give away advantage to any who would give allegiance to him. And the invitation is open to all human beings. He is the ultimate glue who restores the broken relationship between human beings and our creator. And he makes reconciliation in our human relationships possible. He shows us the way to be human. He transforms our hearts day by day. And it is a miraculous work that he does in our lives over time. He raised the dead. He turned water into wine. And he turned scissors into glue. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you have come from the Father, that you are the anointed King of Zion and of the whole earth. Thank you for the transforming work that you do in our lives and in our community. God, I pray that you would continue to make Black Hawk Church a company of the righteous, that we would be people of tzaddik, both within our community and in the relationships that we have uh, within our broader communities in the world around us. Continue to make us into the people that you've created us to be. Thank you that you are the God who transforms, that you are the God who has reached out to us when we were yet scissors, when we were yet sinners. You died for us. We give you thanks and praise.